Hello, and welcome to Dragon's Demise, the podcast about what happens on, around, and behind the tabletop. I'm your co-host, Greg B., and today we'll be reviewing one of my personal favorites, Brewcrafters. Some of you may have already noticed that I'm not the show's regular host, but have no fear. Everyone's favorite board game guru is here with me to announce a few changes to the show's format. Thanks, Greg. Well, as you can hear, I do have a new co-host, and Greg is going to be here pretty much permanently from now on, which is going to be awesome. Uh, It's going to be great because we're going to have a lot more regular podcasts. They're going to have a much more regular format, which was one of the big changes that we're implementing. So the show is now going to be a 30-minute show. And we're going to cap that hard at 30 minutes. There's going to be a lot less of me just rambling on about things. (laughs) Which I know everyone will appreciate. Yes. Though there will be some of it. I can't promise to liquidate it fully. But it's going to be a lot more concise. It's going to be uh, have real segments. So we're going to have the intro segment where we still talk about the same games. The games that we've been playing and everything like that as you're used to with the show. But then we're going to go and a new segment that we're going to be curating is the pretty much like Kickstarter, what's coming out, what's new, what you should keep your eyes out in the board game market. And that's going to be a lot of fun. There's going to be a lot of promotions there, some Kickstarters that I think you guys will all enjoy. This is going to be both RPG as well as board game, different things coming out. And this is really Jacob's area of expertise. I mean, he spends... I don't want to say hours, but he spends a lot of time on Kickstarter looking at new games. Probably half his library comes from Kickstarter, so he's really the expert on that, and he can uh, bring you guys some good advice. Yeah, and I can definitely share what I've been backing, and there's a lot of really cool stuff out there right now. And as you've probably noticed already from a lot of the reviews, I keep saying that, oh, I got this from Kickstarter. This is this Kickstarter game and that Kickstarter game. So I think that it might be a really good resource for all of you to see what is new, what you should take a look at, and what to look out for, even if you don't back it on Kickstarter, when it comes out. And then we also have the actual reviews. Now these are going to be 15-minute segments, and each of the segments is going to have a much more structured format. We're going to completely overhaul our review system, so rather than being another board game geek and doing it as a certain number of stars between 1 and 10, I think that it will be a lot more useful for you guys if we did a very different type of review scale. And that scale is going to be the skip it, play it, or buy it. So with those three, it's just going to be our recommendation what to do with this game. There are some games that are probably going to be good that we might just say play it because games like Twilight Imperium 3 might be something that you can't bring to the table and it might not be worth investing that money in if you can play it with someone else. Exactly. And we're going to try to really make it what's practical. If you need a lot of people to play this game and maybe your group doesn't have a lot of regular players, that's going to end up being a play it from us for those exact reasons. That said, we're also going to have a couple of outliers at the end of the scales. Below skip it, if we just think it's horribly, vomitously bad, we're going to bust out the burn it rating. We're going to try to keep this in our back pocket as much as possible, because obviously we don't want to you know, condone the wanton destruction of board games, but it'll be there as a tool for us to use. At the opposite end of the spectrum, each of us is going to have kind of a special gold star that we can give to games that, in addition to buying it, we really feel like should take the forefront of your library. These are things that are going to be personal favorites, absolute standouts, old classics, really top-notch, top-tier stuff. Games that we don't think that a, a game library would be complete without. Absolutely. In our opinion. 
course, these are all of our opinions, so take, take it with it a grain of salt. Yeah, exactly. But if you if you think that our type of games are the ones that you enjoy, I think that this might be a really good resource to see which games you should take a look at. That said, we do definitely have very specific biases. We both kind of play similar sorts of games. So in addition to our regular segments, we're going to be hoping to bring you all some uh, intermittent segments where we talk to some of our friends, other maybe even people in the games community, mm-hmm. who have a slightly different purview, who maybe like war games that aren't really our thing, yes. who maybe pay more attention to certain aspects of the gaming scene that we don't touch on. So hopefully we can uh, bring you a well-balanced and well-rounded review. Yes, and these will all be... Uh, 15 minute segments so even when we have our guests on we're going to try to cap it at that and just so that you know which part of our podcast to go to if you just want to look at the review if you just want to see what's new what's what's updates and all that kind of thing so i think that this whole new format for the podcast is going to increase our relevance for you guys that's the hope really yeah we want you guys to enjoy the podcast and to get as much from it as possible because that's what we're here for honestly if you guys have any suggestions we'd be glad to hear please do we're also not going to liquidate the or totally eliminate the rpg parts it's just we're going to focus more on board games now tabletop games seem to be something that we are able to get more to the table a lot more frequently and it's just a lot easier for us to be able to review them but we're going to try to keep a semi-regular segment similar to the war game segment or other other such segments about rpgs where we will be going over tips for dms tips for new rpgs reviews of different rpgs which we haven't really done yet and other things like that i believe that that will also you know keep uh, the rpgs in the loop and i hope that you will enjoy that we might also just have some parts going back to our like little bit of rpg stories and things like that but that's still to be seen so now that we introduce a little bit of the new format and how that's going to work and thank you for listening to us ramble by the way yes let's go and jump into what we've been playing so have you been playing any cool games greg i have i have been playing some cool games unsurprisingly i've been playing them here with you and friends um been playing some between two cities lately classic city builder style game tile based you're going to take your drafted city tiles and you're going to put them down the twist is instead of building your own city you're actually building two cities in collaboration with the person to your left and the person to your right Mm -hmm. and at the end of the game you're going to get scored based on the lower of those two cities so you can't just put all the good tiles and scavenge them and make sure that you have the one best city you really got to strike a balance so that's been a, a fun uh kind of cerebral exercise for me so yeah and what about you the last time we played between two cities we had what was it a four or five way tie we had a four way tie for first i believe at 59 50, points i think it was 57. 56 7 yeah, something yeah. yeah it was hilarious i have been playing another game islebound with you we played right, pretty recently and another game by Ryan Lockhart from uh, Red, Red Raven, Raven Games, mm-hmm. uh, one of my favorite game designers. Uh, Definitely. He does Above and Below, and Islebound is in the same universe. Right. And this one is much more about resource, uh, like a little bit resource management and moving across this map and trying to get control of the ports and doing other things like that. It was a lot of fun when we played it. We really enjoyed it, the three of us playing it. It was just really cool the way that you could move around and just get the different resources in certain places 
places and then have to, you have to go to a different place to spend them but you have to use the movement in between that and you have certain people that you have to use in, and like once you use them it has the same mechanic as above and below where they they're exhausted and so you can't use them again until you rest and that's mm-hmm. a, a whole action in itself right and in general it's a really fun game it was it definitely was mm-hmm. well that's what we've been playing lately and i hope that keep listening This week on What's New, it's been ripe with news lately because of Gen Con, the largest gaming convention in the United States, so there's a lot of games coming out. I'm only going to highlight a few of the ones that I really think are the best of the best of the ones that I'm really looking forward to. The first one that I want to talk about is Tides of Madness. This is a game by Portal Games, and it is a successor to the very successful Tides of Time. I really enjoyed Tides of Time and have played it many times. It's a simple two-player game where you're pretty much building up a civilization over time. You have three eras and it's really fast card drafting. You're just giving the cards between you and your uh, partner and building this civilization. And each of the cards has a suit. I think there are six suits in total and they also have an effect and that effect will be triggered based on whether or not you have a certain number of of that suit or of a different suit or anything like that so those that game is a lot of fun i've really enjoyed it it's one of my favorite games to play with my girlfriend but this one i think is going to even eclipse that so tides of madness is based in the same exact system the difference here is that it has Cthulhu in it. Of course, the madness and the Cthulhu, you do hear that a lot. It is very often a new theme that has been popping up. A lot of that is because it is now out of copyright, so you don't have to pay to use the theme, and it's uh, really interesting. It's really good game fodder for board games, for RPGs, everything like that. But this game, Tides of Madness, I think it's going to be really fun because it adds a mechanic into tides of time where you actually have the madness and you can't go above a certain point value so you can't really run away with the game there have been many times that when i've played tides of time when the game itself has gotten to the point where i'm a lot further ahead or a lot further behind and it's really hard to make up the points as you score each round separately and therefore if you lose one round with a very small number of points you have to make up even more points in the the next rounds. So I think that this will prevent that and also add this really cool mechanic where you have to balance what your cards you're putting down and all that. And I'm really looking forward to getting to play this. The next game that I want to talk about is a game called Mystic Veil. This one was also released at Gen Con this year. It's from AEG. And I actually just recently got this. Greg got it for me for my birthday. I haven't gotten to play it yet. It looks like a really interesting game. I love the theme. I've always been a fan of druids, as you could probably tell from the druid episode for RPGs. If you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen to that. It's really cool. I'm talking with Christian, and it's just a lot of really cool stuff about D&D and druids and how they work. But uh, the Mystic Veil game looks really cool. They have something called a card crafting system. Never heard of it before. I think that the cards are actually made of plastic and it's clear, but I really haven't gotten to look through the game itself 
It's about druids. It's something of a card drafting game. I think thought of it, it caught my eye immediately in the game store when I was at Labyrinth the other day, and I'm just really looking forward to actually playing. The next two games that I wanted to highlight are RPGs. So the first one I wanted to talk about is Phoenix Dawn Command. This is an RPG that was kickstarted about a year ago. I believe it is releasing at Gen Con, so it's coming out now, and probably will be available in your friendly local gaming store pretty soon. The difference with this RPG is that it is a deck or card based RPG. So rather than building your character sheet, you are building your deck and your cards. The other difference in this is you do not level up. You never get extra abilities through leveling up, anything like that, until you die. When you die, you gain an extra level. Now this is a mechanic that I have never seen in an RPG. And I think it's awesome. It's really interesting. It gives you an incentive to actually risk yourself, go do something cool, but you can only be revived up to seven times. So the level cap is then seven. And so that will keep most of the power gamers from taking advantage of the system. I think that the randomness of the cards really does add to the game system, as well as the, a little bit of the differences that have to do with how you draft the cards, how you use the cards, how you use a deck instead of your actual dice rolling. I think it's a really cool game. I would definitely recommend checking it out. The last game I wanted to touch briefly on is an expansion to Shadowrun 5th Edition, and it's called Shadowrun Court of Shadows. Uh, it is just out now. You can get it on DriveThruRPG, at least, and I believe you can also get it in print. I'm not 100% sure. But what it brings is magic and intrigue into the forefront of the, your Shadowrun game. The way it's described is pretty much playing a fairy tale in Shadowrun. So this is something that's really cool. You get the cyberpunk and the fairy tale aspect of it. And so you're playing like the court, I believe it's Celtic mythology that they're, they're using here with the fairies and all that. I've always been a fan of that kind of mythology, those kinds of legends and all that. So I would highly recommend taking a look at this if you were uh, looking to spice up your all right we come now to the meat and potatoes of our program the review of brew crafters so just a quick recap we're going to be rating this on the new system so instead of a one to ten star rating we're going to rate it on a scale of skip it to buy it and there's also going to be a few outliers not going to be used in this episode is burn it which is just the worst of the worst and then at the very top one that we will get to show off because spoilers i'm going to rate it this way is our special unique signifier that you absolutely have to have this in your library what we've decided to call our top shelf games so greg Brewcrafters. I know you. I think we've talked about it at least once before on the podcast with you or a guest, but we've never done a full review. That's right, and I'm very excited to finally be doing that. Yeah, as you said, it's one of your favorite games. So let's just dive right in. Let's talk about the gameplay. All right, so Brewcrafters, a game by Ben Rossett and Dice Hate Me Games. You are, appropriately enough, a brewcrafter. You take control of a brewery, and it's your job to build up that brewery and score the most points, gain the most renown. Interestingly, although money is present in the game, making the most money, not the greatest mark of success. So food for thought there. But basically you're going to purchase ingredients at market. You're going to place those ingredients into your various hops machines. I forget the exact name of them. It's been a minute since I played it. 
but you're going to put them into your various distilleries, processes, and at the end, you're going to have a brewed batch of beer, which you take to market and you sell, where you get money and you get points. There's different types of beer. They take different amounts, different types of ingredients. So you've got your three primary ingredients. You've yep. got your hops, your malt, and your yeast. Mm -hmm. And then you've got your specialty ingredients. So these are things like coffee, fruit, a lot of those really specialty ingredients that we're seeing in a lot of craft brews, appropriately, yep. uh, these days that really help make things pop. So the brews themselves are divided into three types. You've got ales, you've got your stouts, you've got your porters. Mm -hmm. And so each of those, by default, has one, you know, simply stout, pleasantly porter, those sorts of really just regular store Your, your Bud Lights of the world. Exactly. Your Bud Lights of the world. And so those are going to require the fewest ingredients, but they're going to lead you down the path towards specialization. So if you want to craft, say, the Imperial Stout, mm -hmm. this massive beer that gives you seven points at the end of the game but requires like a dozen ingredients, first, you have to brew the Simply Stout, and you have to have at least one batch of that in your repertoire before you can demonstrate that, hey, you know what? I'm ready to tackle this bigger beer. So mm -hmm. there's kind of a buildup, and you get to choose, all right, do I want to focus on this particular you know line of beer or do i want to diversify and there are a lot of different strategies that you can go through and the strategies themselves are a lot of it based on what happens in the game so you have to be a bit adaptive in the game itself just through the fact that you might be able to hire someone who which is another mechanic that you can hire specialists and that specialist that someone else hires is the one that you wanted who helps you with getting fruit. But now you can't get him, so you get the one that helps you get coffee or spices. And that helps you lead you towards a certain type of beer because that's what you have available, as well as the local market contact, which also give you some uh, free ingredients or trades of ingredients when, uh, whenever you like. So there are things like that that you also have to look out for. And that will influence your strategy quite a bit. The other thing is that this is a worker placement game. So like many of the ones that we enjoy, this worker placement game is all about trying to get to certain spots before other people, but then there are built up, build up of resources. So a lot of the squares actually have add one yeast, add one malt or add one hops each turn. And that can build up. And then when someone doesn't really need hops, you might ignore that but then it, be, it becomes a very large number of hops in the square you can go ahead and try to take that before someone else does and as with many of these games there is one square that lets you be the first player so it's not like the first player rotates around so if you're last you have a lot more incentive to take that first player spot so you can actually choose rather than have the leftover pickings of everyone else right definitely a lot of strategy that goes into selecting where your workers are going to get placed and also, one of the things that's really unique about Brewcrafters that I don't think I've seen in any other worker placement game is that you actually have two different types of workers. Mm -hmm. You have your market meeples, which are represented yeah. by your you know wooden cutouts, and those are the people who get to go to market, they buy your ingredients, those are the ones that are going to get you a loan, secure the first player tile, that sort of thing. But then after you do that, you move into the next phase, which is your brewery actions. So this is where you're going to process beer, which is installing ingredients, producing the beer, selling the beer. This is where you're going to perform your research. And so there's kind of a divide between those two actions. Your market meeples, those are limited. You always only get two of those per turn. Yep. But the brewery actions, this is one of the really interesting things. Once you've brewed enough beer, you can kind of say, 
you know, from a, an analysis standpoint, you can say, all right, I am experienced enough as a brewer. I can afford to take on more people. Mm-hmm. I can attract people to my establishment and you can get up to four brewery reactions per turn. Now you have to pay them every winter. So again, that strategic balance comes into play of, do I want to keep my actions tight and really just focus on what I need? Or do I really want to just expand my reach and try to be able to do as much as possible each turn? And there are, there are a lot of different things that you can do with your brewery actions. It's not just uh, brewing the beer or like moving it along the track. It's also researching new technologies in the brew, uh, brewing industry. So they give you different bonuses that usually sometimes a one-time bonus, sometimes a, a yearly bonus and other things like that, that you can get and they give you more ingredients. They give you more points for certain things as well. And that way, the more of those actions that you take, the more specialized you can be and the more abilities you have to choose from and the more flexibility you have. So it is a cost because it is actually, the money is pretty tight in these games. It is, it really is. So not having enough money lets you go, it makes you go into debt. And then that also takes away a lot of points from your actual game. You have to be careful and try to balance that and see whether or not you're going to have enough money to actually hire these other workers mm-hmm. and whether or not you're going to have enough money to actually build your brewery up because that's the other thing that you can do in this game and that is adding different sections to your brewery which will add points which will add abilities to uh, add storage space and shorten the time between brewing and market as well so there are all different kinds of things that you can add to your board and to your brewery that will improve it in that way. Right. There definitely are. And actually, one of the things that really endears this game to me is the sheer variability. So on the one hand, you have nigh infinite strategies that you can use to achieve victory. You know, you can churn out just one type of beer and go for mass production. You could say, I don't care that a single batch is worth two points. I'm going to produce... 20 of this particular beer and that's going to fuel my ride to victory you can say all right you know what i'm going to scale it back i'm going to focus on craft brew production i'm going to get myself a brew pub which is a very useful improvement for your brewery which allows you to skip the transportation phase and go straight from brewing to selling and maybe focus on doing that but in addition to the difference in strategies there's a variance in how you have to adapt because like jacob said sometimes somebody's going to snatch your workers but even before that The workers themselves are randomly determined each game. Apart from the three basic beers, there's six advanced beers, two in each particular style, Mm -hmm. that are randomly selected each game. You can play with a basic research track, or you can play with an advanced research track. And on the advanced research track, those research trees are different from player to player. Mm -hmm. So you really have to be able to adapt based on what you're seeing and you can kind of construct macro strategies that are useful from game to game but it's never going to be stale it's always going to be something fresh because you have to respond in a different way to one what your enemy players are doing and two what the board has presented you with Mm -hmm. so the game itself it has there's a lot of things going on how would you this describe the playability of this game yeah this is Something that I feel like can be intimidating for a lot of people, a lot of the people that I've introduced this game to, my friends, my parents, actually, they've been a little bit intimidated by the sheer number of parts, the number of cards, the number of different options that you can do in a given round. As well, the rule book is, I mean, it's pretty substantial. It's about 20 pages. So there's a lot to get through. 
Mm-hmm. But I think once you explain things to someone and once you really break it out into core concepts of this is how you score points, this is how you produce beer, all those really basic concepts, then part of the fun is getting over that intimidation and realizing, wait a minute, there's a world of opportunity here for me. So in terms of playability, I would say that it's probably not the most playable game, and it's certainly not a pick-up-and-play style game. Mm -hmm. But once you get over the moderately steep learning curve, it's one of the most satisfying and rewarding games in terms of playability. I would agree with that because I know that when I, when I first brought this game to gamers, there was a lot of groaning when I got people to actually <laughs> play the game. I know that I, I think that Greg, you were part of the first game that I played there. Luckily, you were there to actually read the rules and like help me out explaining it. Right, as we've said, I am the designated rule reader. Yep. So that was lucky. But other than that, whenever I bring this to table for people who don't know this game, they just look at the sheer number of pieces. Uh, it's if it were, they were wooden pieces, I think this game would weigh more than Caverna. And Caverna is a really substantial game. I I believe it. The cool part about it, though, is that all these unique pieces are actually unique. So you have all the, the, the actual beers. Each of them has its own unique piece. So it's not just level 1, level 2, level 3 stout or level 1, level 2, level 3 porter. It's actually, it says it on the actual token and everything like that. So there's that but at the same time you bring you take all this out you start moving all these pieces and everyone just like is, is stands back and just looks at you with this like you're gonna make me play this how long is this gonna take 10 hours that's true that's true <laughs> and one of the things really is because like i said you have way more options to possibly play with than you are going to play with in a single yep. game so you've got maybe two even three times as many pieces as you'll be using in a single game in the box mm-hmm. so if you just open it up and someone looks in and sees like a pile a veritable landslide of pieces they're just going to nope out yeah but once you kind of set up the game and you get all right these are the nine beers that we're playing with these are the you know five potential hires that we're going to have out at the beginning of the game Mm -hmm. all those sorts of things it starts to coalesce and it starts to get a lot tighter yeah in terms of the pieces again really high quality each type of beer has its own special cardboard cutout Mm -hmm. token yeah which is really great to see the cards that go along to denote you know this is available for crafting Mm -hmm. they're really great they've got fantastic art on them the potential hirees have great art all the pieces are definitely really high quality the cards themselves the cardboard placards for you know your turn tracker your brewery itself all those sorts of things definitely top-notch craftsmanship here and i really appreciate that yeah, it is a game that has really nice pieces, a lot of really good pieces. You don't have any specialized resources other than colors, so like the hops, the the fruit, the spices, they're all just different colors, but that works well enough, especially with a game this complicated. Plus, that's actually an asset for the game. You wouldn't want to actually move these out of that system because of the fact that on your player board, you have only a certain amount of limited space for storage. And the exact number of pieces fit in that space. That's right. So you literally cannot go over. And I think that that, it's really small design element, but it's perfect that they actually measured it out. So, okay, you can only make whatever 12, uh, store 12 ingredients. This is the exact space for 12 ingredients. Right. It really shows that they took the time and took the effort and really wanted to make a top tier product. So final word, Jacob, skip it play it buy it i'm gonna say buy it 
I really enjoyed this game. I personally own it, and I think that it's a great game, and especially if you're interested in something of this theme, pretty much. If you if you like beer, if you think that that's a cool thing, and you like Euro games, this is definitely a buy it from me. All right. What about you, Greg? I'm going to agree, but I'm going to go one step further. I'm going to bust out that special designation we talked about earlier. This is a top-shelf game from me. Buy it. Like I said, near-infinite replayability, wonderfully satisfying in terms of the quality. I could not imagine putting together a games cabinet without this in it. There we go. And uh, that's it for our review for this uh, this week. Thank you for joining us this week on Dragon's Demise. We hope you enjoyed our review of Brewcrafters. And upcoming, we have WashingCon for anyone who is in the D.C. area or wants to come to D.C. for that matter. This is going to be the second year of WashingCon. It's going to have around 1,000 people coming. So there are still tickets on sale, $45 for two days, probably one of the best deals that you can get for a board game conference or convention. And it's been a lot of fun last year. There are going to be some really cool people there. We're going to be there. We're going to be actually interviewing some of the board game designers uh, that are going to be uh, joining us. So we've got uh, a lot of really cool people. We'll make sure to put an announcement soon. Uh, but we'll be uh, interviewing them. And then we'll also be playing games or allowing the guests and uh, to play games with the audience. So there will be things like whenever we interview a game designer, that game designer will then go and play a game with uh, with people from the audience. Uh, so we hope that you will join us there. Take a look at uh, washingcon.com to, for more details. And tune in next week for our review of Above and Below.